0: Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, now I feel like we're officially on hiatus, having had a friend lunch at the Ojai Valley Inn. (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Liz Kraft, a TV writer and producer living in LA, and with me is my high school friend and writing partner, Sarah. That's me,
1: Sarah Fain. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and
0: friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. In today's episode, we're going to talk about the importance of spending time with our TV writer friends. Then in Amplify, we're recommending a new book from
1: our friend and fellow showrunner, Rashid Newsom.
0: In the mailroom, we'll answer a listener question about how a book becomes a movie or TV series. And this week's Hollywood Hack comes from our assistant, Lauren Conascenti, as she wraps up her time on season two of Fantasy Island. Yes, we're so
1: sad that she's wrapping up her time on Fantasy Island. Hopefully there will be a season three and we can steal her back. Yes. But first, we have, Liz, we have a lingo update. From listener Leandra, she wrote, I wanted to send a bit of lingo, but it's not for a profession exactly. Folks who are fans of Disneyland or Disney World use the term rope drop to refer to showing up at or before opening time at the Disney parks. You can actually enter through the turnstiles earlier than the official opening time of the park. For example, if the Disneyland opening time on a given day is at 8 a.m., they will start letting people through the turnstiles at 7.15 or 7.30. However, there are Disney employees that hold up a rope to prevent you from actually going to the rides. At the opening time, the employees literally drop the rope And the folks who have already entered the park are free to head to the rides and beat the crowds. My friends and I have adopted this term for any time we show up somewhere at or before the opening time to try and beat the crowds. For example, one might rope drop the Costco gas line, or we also rope drop to popular holiday pop up at a bar. (laughs) Nice. I love this. (laughs)
0: Yes, what's funny is I have been in Disneyland early like that and seen that rope drop, been there for the rope <laughs> drop and there's a crowd of people that just go rushing forward. So I know exactly what she's talking about. Sarah, we had we had brought up this subject of lingo And I am just loving everyone um, writing in with their lingo, their professional lingo, or in this case, just lingo in life. So do keep it coming and we will keep sharing it. We need a master list. We do.
1: And I love also just how people adapt lingo from one thing to apply to something else. Yes. Which I will now, of course, be doing with Rope Drop. Of course. Yes.
0: The Rope (laughs) Drop. Okay, Sarah, let's dive into From the Treadmill Desk of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our work psyches, and this week, it's the importance of spending time with TV writer friends.
1: Yes, and this is something that we are putting our particular focus on right now as our schedule is starting to open up, and unfortunately, the pandemic isn't going away, but there are places to eat outdoors. Yes. (laughs) So, (laughs) this is actually a real priority for us right now.
0: Yeah, so we I mean we have friends obviously in different walks of our life, different different aspects of our life and one of those is other friends who are TV writers. You hear us talk about our friend Kareen all the time for example, but we have many friends who are TV writers. And it's so important to spend time with them because, one, we love them, but also because we can just share what's happening in our careers, we can share what we're going through in the industry. It's both a time to vent, but also a time to get advice or to learn tips and tricks. For instance, it was at a lunch with a TV writer friend, Sarah, that we learned the phrase volunteers, not recruits, which then kind of shaped the whole rest of our career. So it's important that we have time with these people, but sometimes it really falls by the wayside.
1: Yes. And it's hard because you develop very close relationships with people over a season or two seasons or three seasons, or if you're very lucky, more. But we tend to not have those multiple season long relationships, which is good and bad. It's good because we've worked with so many people. Bad because it'd be nice to just settle somewhere for a while. Hopefully we'll do that with Fantasy Island. But we know so many people and have so many people who we really love and adore. But once you move on to another job then often those relationships don't last in the way that you would like them to. So setting the intention of continuing them,
0: I think, is really important. Yeah. And one thing, Sarah, that I think causes these, re- well, I think there's a few things that cause the relationships to suffer, which is everyone's moving on to different jobs, and therefore they're very busy and the schedules might be different. Their hiatus might be different from our hiatus And it can be very hard to find time to get together. Also, though, I think as you and I both became mothers... One thing, you know, people always ask, how do you balance parenting and your career? And I think one thing that really um, does suffer is other friendships. Because, for instance, I put a lot of energy into being friends with other moms in Jack's class because that's a way to build my community around my kid, right? Mm -hmm. And that then, therefore, is just going to be less time to spend with TV writer friends. One thing I want to point out is, Our TV writer friends aren't even necessarily people we've worked with. Right. They may just be other TV writers who we know and respect.
1: Absolutely. I'm thinking of a lunch we went on with someone who we, like, admired for years. And then we finally went to lunch, and it was like, oh, my God, you're amazing. This is so great. And you know exactly who I'm talking about. I do. (laughs) Um, And then, of course, a pandemic happens, and we haven't seen her since. But Yeah. But we're, you know, Facebook and Instagram friends. But that's a relationship that now, again, now that we can eat outside and I don't know, we're all boosted, (laughs) that we can work on establishing on a deeper level.
0: Yeah. And Sarah, obviously, we're talking about our TV writer friends, but I think more and more people aren't staying somewhere 20 years. They are doing different jobs. And I'm sure this applies to so many industries. Well, you really do have to make the effort to maintain these relationships once you move on. It's easy when you see someone every day or you talk to them every day. It's a lot harder Um, when you move on. And I, one thing I really feel for younger people just starting out right now is that because of the pandemic and everything being remote or largely remote, it's a lot harder to make those relationships. So I would suggest to people, if you're remote, do try to meet people in person and become friends and not just work colleagues because these friendships really can just give you so much. Yeah, and not just Zoom friends. They give us a lot. They do. And of course,
1: we're talking about the social aspect of it, which is obviously enriching and rewarding. But there's also the aspect of the more people you know and who you're connected with who do the job that you do, you know, then when you it's the networking, you, yes, then you know someone you need a job. There's the person who's mm-hmm. over here who can tell you about the job opening or hire you for that other thing. It's it's both a personal and a professional
0: approach. Um, And Sarah, I am proud of us because we are putting our money where our mouth is on this. And tomorrow (laughs) we have an excellent plan to have a day trip to Ojai with two of our favorite TV writer friends to your house and to a lovely lunch at the Ojai Valley Inn. So we are actually doing this. Yes, we are.
1: And we're finally, Liz, having lunch with our manager, Diane Fraser who like I could not love more but who we've never met in
0: person. Yes, that's right. <laughs> we are just we're just all over the place, Sarah. This is we're being very social. Yes. Woohoo. All right. So we'll we'll have a good time. We will see each other and have fun.
1: Damn it, we will have fun. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Coming up, we are headed to nineteen eighties New York. But first this break. Head to factormeals.com slash H-I-H-50 and use code H-I-H-50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code H-I-H-50 at factormeals.com slash H-I-H-50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay,
1: Liz, it's time for our Amplify segment in which we amplify the work of women and people of color. And today we are so excited to tell everyone about our friend Rashid Newsom's new book, My Government Means to Kill Me. Um, it's called A Fierce and Riveting Queer Coming-of-Age Story Following the Personal and Political Awakening of a Young Gay Black Man in 1980s New York City from the television drama writer and producer of The Shine, Narcos, and Bel Air, which he and his writing partner T.J. Brady are now running.
0: Yes, So, Sarah, Rashid sent us his book, sent us an advanced reader copy, and we both loved it. Rashid is just such a great storyteller in life, and it turns out he's also a great storyteller on the novel page, which is very different from writing a TV script. And we are going to have him on um, an upcoming episode to talk about the book, to talk about we will be grilling him about writing a book while he's running a show. And also, I want to talk to him about Bel Air, which is a huge hit on Peacock. Yeah,
1: the book, it's just, it's interesting because it's both sort of a queer history of the 80s in New York in a really fascinating way. Like he has footnotes citing actual historical events and people and giving more information on things, which I found really fascinating. But it's also just a really beautiful and really well-told story.
0: Yes, a coming-of-age story. Yeah. So well done, Rashid. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for giving me a good book to read. <laughs> yes. So we should mention the book doesn't come out until August 23rd, but you can pre-order it now. And by the way, it really does help writers when you pre-order a book. Yeah. And we recommend pre-ordering it, and then we will talk to Rashid on the show. And we will link to the book, of course, in the show notes, but you can find it anywhere that you buy books. By the way, Sarah, the book is getting so much publicity. It's on so many must-read lists. Um, Just thrilled for Rashid and this crazy ride he's about to go on with the publication of the book. Okay, Sarah, it is time for a question from the mailroom, and this comes from Erin. She says, after listening to your recent episode with writer Leon Dolan, I was wondering if you could discuss how the work of novelists intersects with Hollywood. In other words, how a book becomes a movie or TV series. I've recently enjoyed watching Jenny Han's The Summer I Turned Pretty on Prime And no, this is just one of many shows based on books. I'm particularly curious on a personal level as I've written a couple drafts of a novel that I would love to see on screen. This may be a pipe dream, but if I'm going to be spending creative energy regardless, would you recommend I spend my time editing and trying to publish my book or learning about screenplays and fashioning it into one? And bonus question, what attributes of a book make it a good candidate for the screen? Well, this is Mm. such a great question because a huge thing in Hollywood is turning books into movies and TV shows. Yes. And as for
1: how it is done... I mean, there are many ways someone like us could read a book and take it to a studio or a producer and say, hey, we really want to turn this into a show. And then they have to read it and like it and agree. And then you have to pitch it, et cetera, et cetera. So that's one way. I think the more common way is there are book to TV agents At all of the big agencies who read a lot of books, who get sent a lot of books, and they put out every week a sort of summary of all the books that have come out or are coming out that people are reading and talking about that would be good to adapt Into television or movies. And then people read them and they can call, or people can call you about them. So there is a pipeline from publishers to Hollywood. And that I would say is how it's usually done.
0: Yeah. And oftentimes the rights are bought well before a book comes out. Usually for not that much money, and then the author gets more money if it actually gets made because, of course, so many rights are purchased and nothing ever happens. I mean, that's what usually happens is nothing. Um, now, if you have a big author like Michael Conley or someone, then the rights are going to go for a lot more, especially if they've already had a successful movie or TV show based on their work. But Aaron, for your specific question, are you better off putting your energy into the novel or into making it a screenplay? I think you're better off putting the energy into the novel. Yes. I think, as we've probably discussed many times, IP, which is intellectual property, is very hot right now, as they say. It's much easier to get something made or bought if it's based on existing material, an article, a book, life rights, than it is to just come up with something totally original. So, and I think if you're breaking in, it's easy, you know, nothing is easy, let's be clear. And it's not easy to get a book published either, of course, (laughs) but I do think you're better off putting that energy into a novel. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the IP thing is so interesting because
1: we know of studios or producers who have had a good story that they were interested in, but there was nothing written about it, who have then connected people to journalists to write a story about it for a newspaper or a magazine, and then they use that as the IP to try and sell a TV show. Like, yes. just having something that people can hold in their hand and read right now is... The thing. Like, I think we've mentioned we have a TV show idea that we are really excited about and we're like, maybe we should write this as a book first because yes. it'll have a better chance as an original idea of going if there's a book first. Yes. <laughs> it's crazy, yes, yes, but it's
0: true. And as for what attributes of a book make it a good candidate for the screen, well, I think there's a lot. I mean, there's setting it a really specific world, a really strong point of view, Of course, for a certain kind of material, twists and turns are always good. What else, Sarah?
1: Strong characters with a clear conflict that isn't just sort of the conflict that we all hear about all the time. You know, it has to have sort of a a new take on something. Mm -hmm. I would tell Aaron to look at over the last like year to three years all of the movies and TV shows that have been adapted from books Mm -hmm. and do like a study of those books. You know, this is something that we did when we were first starting out. We would study a, a television show in like micro detail. Yes, And I would say do that with adaptations and you'll see what the elements are that really create buzz for people who want to adapt and then make a really good show.
0: Yes, because it's funny, you know, there are books that are just huge hits, like uh, Why the, the Crawdads, Crawdads Book. <laughs> Sing, yes, which, um, okay, that was going to get made into a movie because it was a huge hit. Or I've been recently reading a lot about The Godfather. The Godfather was an enormous bestseller before it was a movie. But there are a lot of books and movies made from things that aren't a hit that often become a hit after the TV shows show. show or the movie
1: i mean and of course the key thing just to keep in mind is that it's all a crapshoot the odds of anything happening for anyone including us are minuscule because there's so much ip there are so many things going through the development process it's just a hard process with zero guarantees so i mean i would say focus your energy on writing a really awesome novel and then if anything comes of it that's great that would be incredible
0: Yes. You can't write for the goal of it becoming a TV show. You've got to just enjoy the process. Yeah. But that is a great question, Erin. Thank you. Coming up, our wonderful assistant Lauren Conascenti is back with
1: a Hollywood hack. But first this break.
0: Okay, it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack. And we're so lucky, Sarah, to have our wonderful assistant, Lauren Conacenti, joining us. And sadly, this is Lauren's last week. We are finishing up season two of Fantasy Island. Um, so we're going to lose Lauren, at least for now. And so we invited you, Lauren, to come on with a Hollywood Hack this week.
2: Yes, thanks so much for having me back. Thanks for coming on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my Hollywood hack this week, I when you asked me to come up with a hack, I thought of something that I wanted to come up with something that applied to both season two of Fantasy Island as well as my career as a whole. And what I came up with was be an inviter.
0: Okay, I love that. Excellent. Instinctively, I know that's a good hack. Um, explain it.
2: Yeah, so I would say that an inviter grants access, uh, specifically to parts of the process or job that helps the invitee learn through exposure and sometimes experience that they otherwise would not have had. And I thought about framing it uh, using happier in Hollywood, like ideology, um, you have the idea of wanting volunteers and not recruits. So you could think of inviters as the, the connecting puzzle piece to volunteers. When invited, a volunteer might want to help more. And when inviting, the inviter is creating a more knowledgeable volunteer from that access that they're granting.
0: Well, I love this, Lauren, because one thing that's sort of going on in Hollywood, and I think, Sarah, we both read a lot of articles about it, is that the whole sort of process of learning the production side of things has gone away, um, not completely, but, but largely. Writers are more just in the writer's room and writing and not on set, not in editing and casting and all of that. So by inviting people into the process, you're allowing them to learn the whole job so that they are then prepared to be showrunners, which is, of course, most writers' ultimate goal. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something to be really cognizant of, and some people aren't. I think we try to do that, but it's not always easy to remember. So if you have sort of be an inviter on your action item list, you're more likely to remember. And Lauren, I have to give you a gold star because you are someone who asks to be invited. You know, like you will say, hey, can I come into editing today if we're going to be editing on um, Evercast, which is the program we use, like saying, hey, can I be in here to experience this kind of production element, whatever it may be. But we talk about networking a lot. And this, I think, is a it's a version of networking where it's it's not about just sort of building your relationships, which is important, but also about building your professional skill
0: set. Yeah, and I also have to give Lauren a gold star, Sarah, because she has saved our ass many a time by being (laughs) very focused and paying attention when she is invited to join in on things and pointing out mistakes or things that have slipped through the cracks. That you and I maybe didn't notice.
1: Yes, Lauren is detail oriented in a way that very few people are, and it's yes, it's been incredibly yes. valuable. Yes,
0: and you can maintain your focus, which is fantastic. You don't have the sense that you're, you know, scrolling the J Crew catalog while these events are <laughs> happening, as others might be.
2: Not uh, me. Well, of thank course. you both. Well, and something that I'll say, too, is that you both are like the ultimate inviters, too. And and when I ask, the answer is always, of course. So thank you very much for that. It's been a masterclass in making TV this season.
0: Oh, well, thank you. But we do, and I, I will say the other thing you're good at is reminding us to invite others. Because yeah. we have the intention of inviting, but we get caught up and we just forget So um, that's another good thing is to remind the people around you to invite others. So I think what's great about this is it's great for people who are in the position to invite, to remember to invite, and then we can add to it. And if you're the invitee, if you feel comfortable, remember to invite yourself. And often the answer will be yes. So so thank you, Lauren. Thank you for a fantastic season. And, you know, hopefully there's going to be a season three yeah thank you thanks both.
1: Lauren. we're crossed. gonna
0: miss you i miss you already no <laughs> i miss you
2: guys already we have one week left <laughs> but i guess we should say lauren is available so as of- <laughs> <laughs> it's true it's true but everyone tune in in january yeah check out what we made yes.
0: okay well thank you lauren and we'll ever keep everyone posted on what lauren is up to of course yes thank you both And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. We love to hear from you. Email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thank you to Lauren Conescenti for being an awesome assistant and for joining us today. Thank you for listening and please follow us if you haven't already. Thanks to our executive producer,
1: Chuck Reed. And thanks to everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram
0: at Sancola Sound. Thanks to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts. Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, Do the Thing from Whole30's Melissa Urban, and Everything Happens with Kate Bowler. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram at S. and Liz is at Liz Kraft.
1: We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fain. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it.
0: Sarah, um, Lauren leaving feels like the real end of the season, doesn't it? Even though we still have things to do, I feel like, okay, people, that's it. Like, we're done. We're out. I know. It does.
1: It's sad. Even though we're not going to be on the air for like months and months, we're done. (laughs) We're done.